if you got your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and open with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. For those of you who don't know, I work at a company up in Tempe called Cranial Technologies. It sounds very fancy. Um, that's why I took the job. Um, and, and basically what our company does is when kids are born with uh, deformed heads or if their heads don't develop normally as they start to grow, uh, we make a device that basically uh, you put on your kid's head and they wear it basically 23 hours a day and uh, it helps their, their heads to grow, their brains to grow in the areas where it's supposed to, but it keeps them from from growing in areas where it's not supposed to. Now, I work in the computer department, in the information technology department, um, and one of the things that you're kind of expected to be able to do when you work in IT is not just to be able to fix someone's computer if it's broken, but to be able to basically build them one from scratch if, if you need to. So, a couple of years ago, a lady uh, got, got in touch with me. She needed a computer for her business, so I sat down with her, asked her what she needed, what kind of uh, equipment she would like. We worked out the plan, had her sign some paperwork, and uh, I ordered the parts and got ready to build it. Now, if you're anything like me, maybe you have a tendency to be way too optimistic when it comes to time and deadlines and things like that, all right? And so I, I gave her this deadline that was way, way too optimistic. There was no way I was going to be able to meet it, but I really wanted her, you know, to to think that I was good at this, and I figured, oh, you know, I'll figure out the stuff in the future. That's future Steve's problem. Love that guy. Um, and, so, and so, of course, because I gave her the, you know, the optimistic deadline, the aggressive deadline, that necessarily meant that the shipment had to be delayed. You know how that goes. You know, you always get stuck in traffic on the day when you're late, not when you're running ahead of schedule. And so, um, her parts eventually come in, and I realize that I basically either have to call her and tell her, all right, I'm not going to be able to do this in the time frame that I told you, or I'm going to need to just rush to get it done, and let's face it, no one ever makes bad decisions, decisions when they're rushing, right? Um, so I decide, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and try to meet this deadline, I'm going to rush to get this thing done, get this out the door, we'll be good to go. So I start pulling out the boxes, I'm like a kid on Christmas, you know, pulling things apart, you know, getting everything ready to build, and I realize that there's a piece that I'm, that I'm missing. Uh, whenever you build something like this, it's supposed to come with this little bag of, of spacers, um, they're only about maybe a quarter inch wide and they weigh less than an ounce each, but you put them in the uh, computer that you're building because it keeps the parts that are supposed to have electricity from making contact with the parts that are not supposed to have electricity. It's kind of like if you take your kids on a road trip and, you know, if they don't get along particularly well, you put one on one side and you say, you stay on your side, you put the other on the other side, you stay on your side, and then you put something big, you know, in the middle to, to keep them from, you know, being able to touch each other. So, of course, what, you've never done that? I, I didn't know people traveled not doing that. That's like, uh, anyway, that's, you know what causes sibling rivalry? Having more than one kid. Anyway, um, so the, the, the spacers that I was supposed to have didn't come. Um, I called up the company that sold me the parts. They said, oh, sorry about that. We'll have those to you within eight to ten days. And I'm sitting there thinking, eight to ten days? That's like, that's like a month from now. I'm not really good with time. Um, and I'm, I'm asking her, you know, where are you sending these things from? Jupiter? And she's like, well, that's, that's the soonest that I can do. So I really wanted to meet this deadline. I really wanted to be able to have this thing done for the lady that had requested it. And so I called up a buddy of mine named Kyle. Um, Kyle also works with computers. He's the guy that I go to when I have questions. The guy knows everything there is to know about this stuff. And so I asked him if um, there's any way that I could avoid using the spacers. I said they didn't come, but is there some way around this, something that I can do? Can I just take my chances and see what happens? And he says, Steve, let me stop you there. Um, 
you need to use these. If you don't use them, there's a 99% chance that you're going to basically create a 40-pound paperweight. Um, and so, of course, I was like, all right, that's good to know. That's good advice. I'm not, I'm not going to build it. I'm just going to tell her you know, that, that we're not going to have this done on time. But then, then I got to thinking, and some of you, maybe you're like me, as soon as you start doing something, you really don't want to stop doing it, especially when it comes to like taking things out of boxes or you know, building things. And, and so I started thinking, I really want to be able to build this. I really want to be able to make this happen. But I knew that I didn't really have a good way of doing it without the spacers, because I called Kyle. Kyle said, no, don't do it without the spacers. Then I got to thinking, Kyle. Who is Kyle? I mean, he's my friend, so he's obviously not an expert. <laughs> he's from Texas, of all places. <laughs> Texas. He drives a Subaru. I mean, who trusts anybody with a Subaru? Not, not, only, not only that, not only that, there was one time that Kyle and I were supposed to hang out, and he was going to pick up tacos, and I had specifically asked him for Supreme Tacos, and he got me regular tacos. And if the guy can't remember a taco order, why should I take his advice on computers, especially when it happens to be advice that I don't want to hear? So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I'm going to see. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Kyle's wrong about this. So I put the computer together, put all the pieces together, started it up, and believe it or not, it worked. Just kidding. Um, didn't, didn't work. Wouldn't start. Nothing happened. I called Kyle and said, hey, so I built it without the spacers. Any chance that I can undo that? Um, turns out that's not a thing. Um, it turns out that I basically created a $1,500 boat anchor, which I don't know if you're in the boating business, maybe that's a good deal, but when someone's asking you for a computer and you give them a boat anchor, turns out they're not all that happy. Um, had to call my customer, had to explain, you know, hey, everything's going to be delayed, I need more time to do this, uh, you know, shipment was delayed, and then I may or may not have been a complete idiot, um, you know, there's really no way to know. Um, and so needless to say, she was frustrated, I was frustrated, everyone was frustrated, Kyle will be frustrated when he hears this. Actually, he's probably going to laugh and say, I told you so. Um, and, and, and I guess I just kind of had this moment after, after building this, after this project was finally completed, like a month behind when it was supposed to, to be completed, and I started thinking about this. Okay, what happened, how did this happen, and what can I do in the future to make sure that it doesn't happen? And I think that what I realized looking back was how quickly I had dismissed Kyle's advice, how quickly I had found reasons to dismiss his advice, not because it wasn't good advice, but because it was advice that I didn't want to hear. And, and here's, here's what I realized from this, is that most of the bad decisions that I've made, many of the bad decisions that you've made, don't come from not having good information, from not having good advice on what to do, but rather from a tendency that you have, and a tendency that I have, to dismiss advice that we don't want to hear because it's not convenient for us, because it's not what we want to hear or what we want to do at the time. Think, think about this. Some of you have either been in car accidents or you've been witnesses to car accidents. Almost every time when there's a car accident, something happens. Either you did this or someone else did this where they ignored what they knew they were supposed to be doing. Maybe you were driving a little bit too fast. Maybe the other person was texting while driving. Maybe both of you had just gone to the new Chipotle and gotten a burrito and you couldn't see over your steering wheel when you're trying to eat it. But something happened where you were doing something that you were not supposed to be doing. 
And, and, and the fact is that this happens in a lot of different areas. We do this all the time. If you were to think about a bad financial decision that you made, chances are that somewhere along the way, someone that you knew was telling you, this is not a good investment, this is not a good purchase, this is not a good decision. And so even though you probably knew that they were right at the time, you ignored what they said, not because their advice was bad, but because it was something that you didn't want to hear. Or maybe, maybe there's a person in your life who you dated who was absolutely the wrong person for you, and you were the wrong person for them. Chances are that while that relationship was happening, someone in your life who knows you really well, or who knows that other person really well, or who just knows a lot about relationships, was telling you, don't date him or don't date her, and you found a reason to ignore what they were saying, not because their advice was bad, but rather because it was simply something that you did not want to hear. And what's really, what's really interesting to me is that this tendency that you and I have to ignore good advice when it's not convenient, when it's not what we want to hear, is so prominent that the Bible goes not just so far as to tell us about it, but to tell us, essentially, that the difference between people who grow spiritually and people who don't simply comes down to what you do, what I do, with that tendency to ignore things that we don't want to hear. More than whether or not you go to church, more than whether or not you read your Bible, more than just about anything else about you, the thing that will predict whether or not you grow spiritually is what you do when you hear good advice that you don't want to hear. 2,000 years ago, before Jesus was born, God revealed to a man named Simeon that he would soon see the promised Messiah before he died. The promise that God had made thousands of years ago to send his son into the world would finally be fulfilled, and Simeon would see it with his own eyes. Sure enough, God kept his promise to Simeon. Simeon got to see the Son of God, and Simeon worshipped him because he knew exactly who this child was. Now, you would think that having seen the Son of God, having seen this, this fulfillment of thousands of years of promises from God to his people, that Simeon would say something like, this is awesome, when people find out about who this baby is, they're going to recognize that he's the son of God. Every person who comes in contact with him and who realizes who he is, is going to bow down and worship him and give him all of themselves. And Simeon, Simeon does praise God and he thanks God for keeping his promise to him and to Israel, but then he says something that's really interesting and really, really honestly kind of disturbing. And it's in Luke 2 verses 34 and 35. Here's what it says. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. By the way, some of you are probably really glad that I'm talking about this because you've heard this passage read, you know, at church around Christmas or, or, or sometime, and you're trying to figure out what does this mean? Am I supposed to clap? Am I supposed to cheer? Am I supposed to boo? Since I don't really know what to do, I'm just going to say, you know, amen, and then move on to things like Merry Christmas, you know, things that I actually do understand. Um, and so, so here's, here's what we're going to do over the next few minutes. Here's where we're going to go. Here's what Simeon is going to tell us. This is, this is where, where we're going. He's going to show us that your actions reveal your heart, that your actions 
actions reveal your heart. Simeon's going to show us that more than, you know, asking someone, hey, so what do you believe about God? What do you believe about this or that? Or giving them some kind of quiz or survey to find out what their spiritual life is like. He says the best way to get to know who a person really is or what a person is really like is to look at their life. Look at the decisions that they make. Look at the choices that they make. Look at the way that they interact with people, the way that they treat people. And through that, you will see who that person really is. You will see that their actions reveal their heart. So here's, 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 here's how we get there. Here's, here's what's going on here. Here's why Simeon would say this. Simeon knows that one day this baby will grow up to be the most well-known, most famous person in Israel. That there will be no one in Israel who can honestly say, I have never heard of this boy or this man named Jesus. People are going to recognize him and they are going to respond to him in one of two ways. They will hear his words and they will recognize him as the son of God and they will do anything that it takes to bring their life into conformity and into obedience to what he says. They'll, tell, they'll say, you are the Christ, you are the son of God, whatever you say I will do and if what you say is hard and difficult for me, I will do it because everything that you say is true and is best for me. And those people will prove that your actions reveal your heart. Other people will hear Jesus' words, and, and they'll say, essentially, this is good advice. This is a good thing to do. This is a good way to live, but I don't like what you're saying to me, Jesus. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to ignore it, to create distance between me and you. Their opposition to Jesus will not be based on them disagreeing with what Jesus says, because it's not good advice. Their opposition to him will be based on him telling them things that are true that they do not want to hear. And by their obstinance and by their opposition, they will prove that your actions reveal your heart. Let me, let me tell you what happened with, with Kyle and me. I called Kyle because he's the guy that I know who knows everything about this stuff. He knows more about computers than I will ever know. The issue is not that I disagreed with the advice that he gave me. The issue is that I didn't what he, want to hear what he had to say, and so I came up with reasons, really stupid reasons, to ignore what he said to me. He's younger than me. He lives in Texas. He messed up my tacos. I found, I found ways to take down the significance of what Kyle said so that I could justifiably ignore what he said. And I did it not because his advice was bad, but because it was something that I didn't want to hear. I made Kyle's influence in my life, you can go ahead, Ron. I made Kyle's influence in my life smaller, not because he was saying things that I believe were untrue, but because he was saying things that I didn't want to hear. What's really interesting is that if you talk to someone who is not a follower of Jesus, and if you ask them why they're not a follower of Jesus, and if they have an answer to that question, their answer will essentially never come down to Jesus gave people bad advice or that Jesus told people to do things that they shouldn't do. No one, no one ever has a problem with ask and it will be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone knows that even if you're not a Christian, if you want something, you need to go after it. You need to pursue it. No one has a problem with let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
No, no one ever says, you know what, this, this world would just be a better place if people lied to each other a little bit more. I can't, I can't stand these, these politicians always doing their jobs and working for the good of the country and their, consist, their constituents. I just, I've had up to here with them. No, no, one, no one gets up, up in arms when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, or when someone asks you to go with them one mile, go with them two. What they have a problem with Jesus saying is, I am the light of the world. No one comes to the Father except through me. The reason that they have a problem with this claim is because it is Jesus' claim to be God. And that claim bothers them not because they believe that the evidence points towards Jesus not being God, but rather because the implication of Jesus being God means something very radical for them. If Jesus was just some wise man, some well-spoken guy, or even some prophet, then the implication is that we should take his advice when we see it as possible. We should take his advice when we see it as convenient or doable or beneficial for us. It means that when push comes to shove, when it's not easy or we don't understand why, we, dis- we can dismiss what he has to say and do what we want to. But if Jesus is God, then it means that we need to listen to him all the time. And we need to do what he says every time. If Jesus is God then father forgive i'm sorry forgive others as your heavenly father has forgiven you moves from being really good advice that you should apply when when you can to essentially a decision that you don't even have to make it's just something that you choose to do why because jesus said so and jesus is god and it means forgive others even when they don't ask for your forgiveness, even when that person has hurt you so deeply and so many times, even when they seem to enjoy what they were doing or perhaps at least didn't even care about it. Jesus being God means that you listen to him and you do what he says because you believe that what he says is best for you and that it is best for you all the time and you understand that your actions reveal your heart. Believing that Jesus is God means that when Jesus says, don't commit adultery, you can't say, that's a good principle that people should follow. But I'm going to do what I want to do. It means that you can't say, well, Jesus says, don't commit adultery. But I love him. But I love her. But he meets my needs. She meets my needs in a way that this other person doesn't. You don't understand. I'm not, I'm not meant to be single. It means when Jesus says to do something, you go do that thing. It means that you listen to him and you do what he says because you believe that what he says is best for you and you understand that your actions reveal your heart. Believing that Jesus is God means that, that you say to Jesus, as you took up your cross for me, so I will take up my cross for you. You are God and I am not, and I will give you everything that I am and everything that I have and everything that I will ever be. It means that you understand that your actions Reveal your heart. This, this, by the way, is where for so many people, spiritual growth stops. The reason that Christianity attracts so many and keeps so few is because anyone can hear Jesus' words of the last will be first and say, you know what, today I'm not going to worry if I get home from work five minutes late. I'm going to choose to not drive like a maniac. And anyone can reap the benefits of that, of you know, your blood pressure not being so high and, and not being so angry at the world. Anyone can hear Jesus' words, if you want your life to count for something, give it away, and say, today I'm going to invest my time and energy in caring for others before myself, and realize that that was a day well spent. See, the thing is, you can do a number of things that Jesus says with you this big and him this big. 
It's the other stuff. The take up your cross and follow me. The forgive even when he is not sorry or when she doesn't think that she did anything wrong that causes so many people to walk away from him and to never come back. In Jesus' day, no one ever said, Jesus, the advice that you give is bad. The advice that you give is wrong. What they said was, who do you think you are to tell me what to do? What they showed us is that your actions reveal your heart. The reason that Simeon couldn't say everyone will hear about Jesus and everyone will make their evaluation of who Jesus is based on the evidence that is displayed of whether or not he is God, the reason he couldn't say people will just make up their mind based on the evidence is because he knew that for some people, the very notion that Jesus could be God, and therefore Jesus would have the authority to tell you what to do in every area of your life, would be so offensive that no matter what the evidence says, they wouldn't believe him. The reason that Simeon predicted such a divided reaction to Jesus' words is because Simeon knows that your, help me, your actions reveal your There were basically two types of people that Jesus spoke to. And these two types of people had very different reactions to what Jesus said. The first group was the group that wanted more control of their lives. They wanted to have more money, more power, more influence. They would listen to Jesus' words as long as they felt that what Jesus was saying would allow them to be in the ultimate control of their lives. Essentially, to be the God of their own lives. They took offense at him and they asked him to leave them be in their pursuit of becoming God. The second group was those who, understand, who understood that the more money that they had, the more power that they acquired, and the more influence that they gained, it seemed like the more chaotic things got. They took offense at the chaos itself, at the brokenness itself, and they followed Jesus, learning every day to pursue him and let him be God for them. Simeon says that Jesus would cause the falling and rising of many because he knows that for those whose greatest desire was to convince others that they have everything all together, that Jesus' words of deep faith and simple love would confuse them, would annoy them, and would destroy them. However, for those who knew that on their own they didn't have what it takes to do life, who were tired of pretending like they had everything all together, who understood that they were desperately in need of a Savior, that Jesus would provide the light in their life that they had been longing for for so very long. Both groups, with both reactions, would prove the same thing. They would prove that your actions reveal your heart. Well, okay, Steve, this, this, is, this is great, but, but what, what am I supposed to do with this? Good, good question. The model of spiritual growth that you've probably been exposed to goes something like this. Here's me. Here's God. My job is to grow spiritually and become more like him. Go ahead, Ron. That's the model that we, we follow, that we're supposed to become like God, right? No. This model, this concept, is why you find so many people who know so much about God or so much about the Bible and yet who are dead inside. How is that possible? Because in attempting to become more like God, They have attempted to become God. They want to do his job. 
Maybe a more accurate understanding of what it means to follow Jesus goes something like this. In this particular area of my life, I don't need more control. I need less. As John the Baptist would say, he must become greater, I must become less. And so in your area of weakness and in your area of struggle, your prayer should not be, Lord, help me to get more control of this area of my life, my relationship, my finances, my family, my job, my sex life, my future, whatever. You being in control does not work very well. You being in control will lead you to hear Jesus' words and to say, who are you? to tell me what to do. Maybe instead your prayer and my prayer needs to go something like this. Lord, help me to give you control of my life and to stop trying to take it back from you. That is the prayer that will cause you to hear Jesus' words and to say, wherever you lead me, I will follow. Wherever you send me, I will go. You are the Lamb of God. You have overcome the grave. It's my job to glorify you, not the other way around. It is that prayer, it is that position of surrender that demonstrates that you understand that your actions reveal your heart. Let me, let me, let me ask you something. What's, what's your battleground? What's your struggle? What's your area of weakness? Maybe, maybe for some of you it's your marriage where you and your spouse are constantly fighting over who's in control, who's in charge, and who gets your way. Maybe what you need to do is ask Jesus in the context of your marriage to help you do what he says you should do because of who you believe that he is and to ask him to help you to do what he says. Why? Because you're... Reveal your... Maybe, maybe it's your bank account. Maybe money is in control of your life. Or, or perhaps your finances are just a mess. And you need to ask Jesus to free you from your addiction to making money or spending money or saving money. You need him to help you to do what he says because your reveal your maybe maybe it's your body and you find yourself essentially acting as a slave to any impulse that you may have whether it's for food or drink or sleep or sex or anything else. And you need Jesus to help you make better choices about what goes into your body and what you do with your body. You need him to help you. Why? Because you're Reveal your, maybe, maybe there's somebody in your life whom God has been telling you that you're supposed to invite here next Sunday to experience what God is doing in this place, what he is doing in your life, and what he wants to do in your life. And you need to ask him, hey, will you help me to do this? Will you help me to obey you? Will you help me to follow through and ask this person to come to church with me this week because I understand that my, reveal my, Whatever your struggle, whatever your weakness, will you cry out to Jesus? Will you say to him, please help me to do what you say, because I know that my actions reveal my heart. This child, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the hearts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Why? because your actions reveal your heart. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the word that you have given to us. Thank you for this reminder that what we do matters, how we live matters. Thank you for calling us not just to be better people, but to be transformed people, people who love and serve and follow and obey you with all that we are. Lord, I pray that you would remind us throughout this week that what we do matters because our actions reveal our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.